0: People never think about it and it's so important and the word of God says that we need to saturate our spiritual men with the word of God that's the food for the spiritual men listen to his word I am the resurrection and the light He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live.
1: Two Revs on TRE Talk Radio Europe. Yes, good morning. Welcome once again to the Two Revs, and uh, delighted to be with you this Sunday morning. Now, a little later on, we're going to be talking to Thomas Fretwell. We've spoken to him before and we were chatting with him throughout this programme. Some interesting subjects I hope you're going to enjoy this morning. But as always, I trust that you're all well. And we're going to start off with a piece of music just to sort of get us started. And this is a piece of music entitled Up From The Waters.
0: Washed by by forgiveness, born to new life, that's the gospel. Into a family, placed in belong, buried with Christ.
1: Right. Well, that was up from the waters. But now we're going to go over and we're going to listen to the interview I did with uh, Thomas Fretwell earlier in the week over Zoom. Uh, Thomas, he has a Bachelor of Theology and a Master Degree in Theology. And his undertaking at the moment, you'll hear him say, is a doctorate in research in the field related to Jewish Christian studies. He uh, is a pastor of his local church. And he's uh, also an associate teacher in the theology at King's Evangelical Divinity School and also an associate speaker with Creation Ministries. But on top of that, he's a nice guy as well. So let's go across as we chat with Thomas and just see what he has to tell us today. Well, Thomas, it's great to have you with us again. And uh, just before we started to record the interview, I asked you a question. Is the message from the Creation Ministries people, is it being more openly received by people since the pandemic? How have you found people uh, re- respond to that message?
2: yeah absolutely so i found generally that that has made people more open uh, to hearing from either christians or hearing about creation if we are careful to make sure that we show the link into how how our christianity can actually impact real world issues how it speaks into the issues that people are are feeling after the two years that we the crazy two years that we've had and and a lot of people have questions and if we can show them that, that christianity as a worldview does address these questions then, yeah, they're definitely open and it's presented a good door for the gospel, in my opinion.
1: Mm. Do you think then, to some degree, over the past number of years, for that matter, that people have not realised that what the Bible says, our belief in the Bible, the structure of the Bible, shall we say, is not relevant to everyday life? Because in actual fact, a lot of what we've originally been set up is based on that anyway, isn't it? They just seem to have forgotten that, do you think? Have we not have yeah,
2: we not shared it well? Th- there's definitely been a disconnect between uh, co- connecting christianity as, as a faith and as a worldview to the everyday issues of culture that people are living in their lives nine till five and i have to say that's probably the church's fault i mean it's our, it's our responsibility to make sure that we connect those dots for people who, who otherwise know no better uh, so it's it's an area that i'm glad to see the church stepping up to if if not maybe a bit late but the pandemic has caused us to to reassess and uh, reevaluate how we approach these issues and i think ultimately in the long run that could be a good thing
1: Mm. I I think I hope you're right on that. And uh, I think that's the same from where we are here as well. We've all had to rethink how we do church (laughs) or actually just how do we do living for Christ? And it's interesting, I think, that the public uh, are very aware of the church's criticism of the culture, but are not very aware of that that actually supports the culture. And yet there's far more uh, in Christianity that supports culture than actually criticizes, isn't there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a shame that generally the perception people have of us is they just know what we're against. Mm. And it's usually obviously a couple of the hot button cultural issues, isn't it? Where the, where the culture wars kind of are fought in the public square. But mm. that that's why I don't like to dwell too much on them when you're in a discussion. We we have so much more positive issues that we can address that actually speak to people's everyday lives uh, that people don't know that we address. that don't know that Christianity has an answer, has a response, has a A whole uh, supernatural resource available to people that can address these issues and it's Mm. a shame and we need we need to get that out into the public yeah
1: Mm. well that's some of the reason that we have these sort of programs and and much of what you're doing there and you say you just uh, you're studying for the finals in your exam
2: i'm in the final year of my doctoral studies right now yeah so it's it's all, all knuckling down and trying to get my word count finished
1: Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it's it's the right amount of words. And today it's the right amount of time. Yeah, (laughs) we go. Well, today we're going to we're going to be looking really at God and science. And um, because I think generally the public thinks science has blown God out the window. So uh, from your perspective, what would you say when people are talking about God, because people either believe or don't believe, but everybody sort of has an idea about God? How would you sum up the the general public's view of, of God, the different groups that we might have?
2: Oh yeah I mean it's it's a fascinating question actually when when you when you delve into what the public view of god is of course generally in conversation I still find that people who kind of say they believe in a god do just make up that god in their own image it's a god of their own imagination one that doesn't uh, care about their behavior one that will just sort of happily forgive everyone with no consequences and it, it's a a comforting belief to hold maybe but mm. but that that's the popular level uh, belief. I mean, I mean, if you want to look at it philosophically or academically, there, there were generally three main positions that people can hold, uh, and most people will fit into one of these categories, e- even if they don't actually know that they do because they just don't think about these things. And yeah. the first broad one would just we would just class as theism, and of course, so that can encompass obviously Islam, Judaism, Christianity. Of course, I'm generally going to be defending and speaking about Christian theism. Uh, Christian belief in God as we go forward. Th- theism and there's, and meaning
1: there's just one God.
2: Yeah, there, there's yeah. A, there's one trying God. The Christian theism. Yeah. yeah, and and then the, the the second major view would be atheism, and this this is a, a large view in our culture at the moment, you know, secular culture that for for a long time has tried to push God out. And, and I, I define this as the position that denies the reality of God. Now now there's there's a little bit of wordplay that goes on. Maybe we'll get into that a bit later with that definition, but. Ah, uh, for now, that atheism is is the position that denies that God exists, and then there is this third position that people like to like to use, and that is agnosticism. You may have heard that term. They're an agnostic, and this is not so much a, a belief category as it is more a a personal, a, an expression of personal uh, belief, really, or lack of belief. Maybe they they usually express it like they don't have enough knowledge to make a decision for either one of those other two categories so therefore they're they're happy just to affirm their no position and stay in the middle and a lot of people use that as a kind of escape clause to try and not not have to engage with some of these big questions so i actually don't like to necessarily give that uh view too much of a room at the table because usually as i speak with these people who claim to be agnostic as you push them on certain issues you do find that they actually are a little bit more than agnostic and that they do actually end up having a, a more definite viewpoint on some things but that's one of the 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 the, the s- tasks the skills we have to be a good at conversation with people tease these things out find out what their worldview is find out what they believe
1: absolutely yeah i think that's absolutely right with people that uh say that they are uh agnostic you said didn't you that, that they they don't make a choice one way or the other but it's sometimes mm. just an excuse not to actually look at the situation i was talking to the bank teller in the bank yesterday we were doing some stuff and of course i went in in the bank accounts in the name of the church so uh, uh i said who we were because he was asking the question and he said he really enjoyed looking at all different faiths and that's mm. great you know he, and he looks like that his mother's a catholic and uh, he enjoys looking at all different faiths but he hasn't got one of himself and my little comment was, well, I don't know of any, oh, that's great, but I don't know of any faith that says you don't have to do something to be right with that, that Godhead. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's quite an interesting question for people who haven't made that step to decide, well, which one do I feel is
2: correct? It's, it's one of these conversations that we have to be skilled at. We have to, if people are investigating or they're open and they, they still kind of are led maybe by the, the equality idea that we have in the culture you know you don't mm. want to say one is wrong necessarily and say one is right but you're kind of happy just to see where they all go but christianity doesn't allow for that sort of um, a broad spectrum of, of religious belief you know we do have exclusive truth in mm. the sense that jesus does claim to be uh, the only way to the father and there has to be uh, at some point we have to bring people to to the issue of sin to the issue of redemption to the issue of, uh, of how you have a relationship with with God, and these are good questions that can open up you know, many avenues as you're in a conversation. And if someone's open to discussing their religious belief, that's a positive in my view. That that's a good sign in our culture.
1: It's a bit like saying, "Well, I know there's lots of different buses that go from here to different places." But not bothering to sort out which one you want to get on,
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you, you end up
1: staying where you are, you know, yeah, and, uh,
2: or, or in the wrong location completely, yeah,
1: or the wrong one completely, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I just, I just find that that is quite interesting. That um, it's very easy, and I, and I suppose I was like that. You know, yes, God is possibly real. Yes, it's possibly the Christian God because of where I was brought up. But uh, you know, it's not too important to find it all out until you recognise that you do, you do need Him. And so, so what happens to the people that are <clears throat> that say they're atheists because that really takes some faith doesn't it
2: yeah so the, this is the, the way the way this debate is often carried out is is usually in a very academic level in, in the sense that there's a lot of, of technical terms and a lot of people uh, expressing their propositions and quoting scholars and and whilst that's there's a place for all of that i think at a popular level that can lose a lot of people Like I said, it it still leaves us with that disconnect. That how Mm. is this helping me in my life navigate the questions of the world and the culture? And so, so when I address the topic, I I like to actually look at it as a worldview issue. And when when I'm saying worldview, so that so defining a worldview, it it is a map of reality. It it is the total framework of your beliefs, your values, with with which you make your decisions and conduct your life. Basically, Mm. it's your framework of beliefs and whether you're atheist or theist or whatever you may be, you do have a worldview. There are things that influence the way you think, the way you answer questions, the way you make your decisions. Everyone has one. And usually there are a few starting assumptions with everyone's worldviews that always end up coming back to faith. It's like the puzzle of life, the box top of the puzzle of Mm -hmm. life. And there are a few of these questions that I believe are sort of ground zero when it comes to having a worldview. So there's, there's five things that I generally look at uh, that make up a person's worldview and, and this will be a really good way to navigate a conversation with someone who claims to be an atheist say in this world so uh, if i could just give you the five because i think it would help going forward in this discussion
1: yeah do so yeah
2: yeah the, the first one would be the issue of what i call origins so this is our first worldview question origin so where, where did we come from and that can apply to so where did anything come from? You could start start there. Where did the universe come from? Where did first life come from? Where did humanity come from? And if you notice that, you know they are big questions in today's culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of interest around all of those questions has been for a long time. So that, that's the first worldview question. The second worldview question is what I call identity. And this is who are we? Uh, that's Again, a fundamental question—one that is extremely relevant to our culture in this day and age. Mm. People struggling with identity issues. There's a global identity crisis in the world right now. You don't have to look far to see that. Mm. The third one would be meaning, or you could say purpose. This is the question of you know why are we here? If we you know how did we get here? But why are we here? What's the meaning of our lives? Mm. A recent study came out in the UK uh, claiming that nine out of ten young people believe that their lives have no meaning or purpose. No, and I, I, I'm always just shocked by that, that statistic. It was, I think it was last year that came out. But mm. there's nine out of 10. Massive issue. And, the, and all of those have been linked with, with real life issues, anxiety, depression, and, and all these associated problems. So there's origin, identity, meaning. The fourth, the fourth question would be ethics. This is a massive question again. How should we live in this world? What is right or wrong? You see many of the culture wars going on around this issue. Are we allowed to do this? Should we not be allowed to do this? How can you say that this is wrong? But on and on it goes. And then the final one is destiny. The future. What does the future hold? Where are we going, basically? And you'll notice there's a lot of groups claiming um, different visions of the future right now. And I'm not talking about religious groups. Religious futures have kind of been established for quite a long time. People have their different views and they're well-known. But there's actually a whole group of people now. Uh, advocate, uh, political activism that are, you know, the very doom and gloom about the future of the planet. And they're offering a very bleak future for people that is impacting people's lives again. So th- yeah. all of these issues, origin, identity, meaning, ethics, and destiny, these are basic worldview questions. Everyone engages with them in their daily life. It's impossible to avoid it. And everyone does really have an answer to them. Or maybe they haven't thought it through, but they act they live like they believe one particular way. So both Christian and atheism have different responses to these questions. And what most people don't realize is that we're actually subconsciously imbibing answers to these worldview questions from all the different sources that we see and read. Media, news, journalists, schools, television. They're all pushing a worldview on us. And that's why it's it's so important that we understand and actually have this framework of believing as we engage with the culture, we must learn to think in these ways or else we, we get seduced, really, into different worldviews.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think on the media as well, sometimes we're unaware of how much the media actually influences what we think. Mm. And, uh, and I suppose to some degree, if we're being given information that is true information, or at least with the best intention of being true, then obviously it will influence to some degree. But I, I tend to think there's a great push to, to give us information that leads in a certain way and, and living in a different country and seeing news from different countries, you can see the bias that, that comes out at times. And with some of these uh, moral views, should we say that, that I cannot believe that what's being pushed from the TV. I can't really believe that every single presenter actually necessarily agrees with that, but I suspect to keep their job, they have to. Mm. And of course you found that same sort of thing with scientists who have a creation view, but still yeah. have to be careful what they say to keep their jobs
2: absolutely we we are in the midst of, of you know what has properly been termed cancel culture right now uh, and it almost seems you know you fall you fall uh, a foul of one of these sacred ideologies or lines of belief and you you are open to all sorts of ridicule and all sorts of um cancelling on it whatever platform is available these days there does seem to be a a stranglehold and a stifling of, of freed open discussion through our media and our culture. And I think it's actually a detriment to the whole society, Christian or non-Christian, because if you're forced to, or only exposed to one particular side of a debate, then your understanding is going to be very limited on that. And, and mm. that'll affect, again, all of those worldview questions that we just went through. In our culture, uh, in the UK, I'm talking here, probably mm. ex- for the whole of Europe, basically, the, 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 the war has generally been between, I say war, I don't mean, that but the 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 ideological battle has been between theism and atheism it really has like christianity Mm. generally is the dominant theistic view in the european western world and atheism we don't call it atheism a lot of the time people will say things like secularism Mm. and use these other terms that, that try and make it a bit more neutral but in fact when you actually dig down get underneath it all they are promoting atheism and everything that goes everything that goes with it
1: in your experience in your studies would you say that although you are on the surface maybe the atheists outnumber those that have a faith i'm not sure that would be true either but but you sometimes can feel that way in in europe your, where you're living but when you as you say when you just scratch below the surface or when that atheist has a difficulty it's surprising how much they actually give the option that god could exist uh for prayer and various other things so although they may confess to be atheists I suspect a lot of them haven't really seen seen that all the way through. I could be accused of anybody with a faith, of course, as well. Uh, but mm. um, you know, when 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 it really when the rubber hits the road, uh, they they are hopeful that there might be a God out
2: there. Yeah, I, I think it's because in the the way the debate has gone, and actually this gives me a good segue into that issue of the definition of atheism that I, mm-hmm. that I was talking about, because the, the way I like to define it, like I said, is the positive denial of God's existence uh um but many honest atheists actually admit it's quite hard to to make a really good strong case for a for a universal negative like that mm-hmm. uh, they'd have to have full knowledge of everything everywhere to be able to affirm that that is some different branch of knowledge the evidence for god doesn't exist whereas for the theist it's much easier to affirm a universal positive in that sense because all we need is one piece of evidence uh that that is sufficient to show that god god exists we don't have to know everything every everywhere Mm -hmm. Uh, so because of that i've seen in recent uh in well recent years really probably since the advent of the new atheism there's been a shift and although although in academia and philosophy atheism has always been a positive denial of god's existence because of the difficulty of shouldering the burden of proof in that debate most people now have moved back from this. And I find this, particularly with YouTube atheists and the popular level atheists, they're, they're unwilling uh, to affirm it in such a strong way like that. So they go for a slightly weaker definition and say it, it's simply their lack of belief mm. in, in, in the God that we're expressing. And it, it, you have to be really careful because I, I consider that to be complete semantical game playing, really. Because all, all they're doing with that is they're moving it out And they're making themselves sound like agnostics, basically. So it's merely just an expression of their personal psychology. Mm -hmm. And therefore, and this is the issue, if they express it like that, they don't have to shoulder the burden of proof because they've made no positive claim. And therefore, it immediately jumps back to the Christian who, who claims there is a God and makes that claim. And then they just ask us, well, what's the evidence? What's the evidence? What's the evidence? And we shoulder all the burden of proof. So in most of these debates, we're on the defensive immediately trying to prove our point, and then they can just bring as many arguments against us as they want. And that's not a correct way of... I don't like people to allow it to be framed like that. This Mm -hmm. is why I said it's a worldview issue. We both make claims about worldview questions. We both have a view of origins. We both have an ethical system. We both have an understanding of where humanity came from. They have a burden of proof to support theirs, not just say why they don't believe ours. And it's very subtle the way that happens, but I've noticed that uh, going on a lot in the culture. It's a subtle shift, I would say. And that, that's probably why. Now, there are some atheists, or kind of a, of this new softer atheist agnostic slash kind of viewpoint, that I believe maybe would like there to be a God. You know, like like you were expressing, they they have kind of expressed, well, it sounds wonderful. I'd yeah. love to believe it. I just haven't yet seen the evidence. And and I appreciate it, I respect that view. Um, uh, hopefully, shows that they are open to to engaging and discussing and hearing some evidence. And again, it's then back to the church to make sure that we are equipped, giving reasons for the hope that we, that is within us, and explaining the evidence that we do see.
1: Mm. And opening up that conversation so that we can converse, and uh, I, I find that that's why I said at the beginning that to, to be an atheist, to be a full atheist, takes an awful lot of faith because, like you mm. said, we don't know everything that's there. Well, Tommy, we're going to take a short break. That went much quicker than I thought it would, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you in a few minutes. So thank you.
2: No problem.
1: You're welcome to join us today in the Elim Family Fellowship in Ben Madna at 11 o'clock in the Platharai Benza, or in the Elim International Christian Community, which we now have in Almuñeca, which is on Avenida Europa. All the meetings are at 11 o'clock and are in English, or you can go along to the Elim Encounter Church in Calahonda, which is in Meas Costa, and their meeting is at 4.30. We look forward to seeing you come and join us and see what God is doing. The Two Revs, on TRE Talk Radio Europe. The Two Revs, on TRE Talk Radio Europe. Yes, welcome back with myself, Pastor Howard, from the Ealing Family Fellowship down in Benelmadner here on the Costa del Sol. And we're going to continue now, go straight back and listen to the second part of my interview with Thomas Fretwell. So let's go back and listen to that. Well, Thomas, we just had an interesting uh, uh, talk about atheism and agnosticism and and people with faith. But how does an atheist answer some of those, you know, where do we come from? What's the point? What's the purpose? Mm. Because if there's nothing, we can just all do what we want, can't we?
2: yeah and and this is the honest atheists these are the ones that are that are honest with where their worldview ultimately leads them mm. it's very revealing to have a look at some of the ways that they answer these questions let Let me just give you a few answers from atheists uh selected atheists who are very famous popular ones and the way they answer this so let let's go through those worldview questions and Remember, this is the way that we form our our box top of life. That's why these worldview questions are so important. And atheism does answer them. This is why they have the burden of proof for them, for their own claims. So with the issue of origins, this is a big issue. It's always been a debate whether it's the origin of the universe. Is the universe eternal? And that has changed. Atheists used to think it was 20th century cosmology proved that the universe did have a beginning. Uh, so that, that's one issue, but. Listen to Daniel Dennett. So Daniel Dennett was one of the new atheists, philosophers, uh, philosopher, very respected. He says this, he says, the universe performs the ultimate bootstrapping trick. It creates itself out of nothing. And this is a view. Lawrence Krauss also wrote, wrote a book mm-hmm. called Your Universe Out of Nothing. And again, if you take the statement logically, it's, it's kind of a tautology because you can't exist to create yourself before you existed. It doesn't make sense. But when you dig into it, what they really mean, they don't mean nothing like we would mean nothing when they say nothing. They mean sort of this sea of fluctuating energy that's out there. Um, it's not the same as nothing. So, again, mm. slight game playing there. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, that's, the, that's their view. Are they defending it well? And what's the explanatory power of that view? Do we have any other testable models that would uh, affirm it? And, and this is how we, we, we do this. That's one one idea. Universe came out of nothing. Um, as opposed contrast that with the christian view yeah. that, that presents you know god god as the being and the mind behind the universe with the power to create and i think that has for me has a much better explanatory power uh but we like i said we, we won't contrast everyone with the christian mm. view that can be done elsewhere but identity of course the main view for the identity of humanity is evolutionary biology within atheism uh, a typical quote would be stephen j gould biologist he says humans are a tiny and accidental evolutionary twig, a little mammalian afterthought with a curious evolutionary invention called the human brain. Mm. That is our identity, basically, and, and that has huge implications for human exceptionalism, human dignity, human values, human worth, and, and a lot of those things that contribute to the the culture wars and the discussion going on in the public square today.
1: And of course, and if, then- we, if sorry, just to interrupt there, but if, sure. if that is the case, and we just came by chance just evolved in that way then we really could ask the question then why do we actually feel that life is uh you know some of these things that are done really badly why do we think that's wrong because surely mm. evolution is all about the strongest beating up and you know
2: having yeah, a victory it, over it, the weakest it, it is and that and that and that if they're consistent there's the, the consistent atheists have, have to get to that point when we when we get to the morality issue we'll, mm. we'll, we'll dig into oh, that because sorry. it's a massive it's a massive issue yeah no no you're jumping yeah. You uh, picked up on a good point there that that should logically come to our minds when we hear statements like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But so yeah, so identity and then meaning, uh, let me read Jerry Coyne again, famous, very anti-Christian atheist, we could say that. He says, there's no special purpose to your life, no more extrinsic purpose than a squirrel or an armadillo. So this is a logical result of of the, the, the evolutionary belief that we expressed. You cannot have this view that human life is somehow elevated and more valuable than the rest, because ultimately we have the same origin story, mm. just just differently, uh, higher, more evolved along the line. That's the idea. Um, and then morality. Let me read to you this one, and this is the important one because, like you like you were picking up on there, mm. this affects what we do, what we call right, what we call wrong, what we legislate against in our in our laws. It has massive implications for culture, uh, but. Let me read to you a quote by Bill Provine, the late uh, evolutionary biologist, again, um, (laughs) you'll you'll get his viewpoint. He says this, there is no ultimate foundation for ethics. This is evolutionary biology, means there is no ultimate foundation for ethics, no ultimate meaning to life, no free will for humans either. Mm. So the idea here, it's that little phrase, there's no foundation for ethics. This is what you were saying there. So what basis do they decide what is right and wrong yeah Um, because history would seem to be that whoever has the right to legislate decides that so it's usually a small controlling group there's no universal uh, ethics like that so it's whoever is in charge basically whoever has the power history testifies that that often ends extremely badly
1: yeah we do act like that don't we but I think uh, I think most people would have a certain sense of right and wrong of how they treat other people which, of course, wouldn't, wouldn't be there if, if yeah. uh, it was just evolution.
2: Yeah. I mean, we have this the argument from conscience for Christianity. It's mm. like being made in the image of God. It's a, mass, it's a massive issue why, why we have this, this sort of conscience that tells us some things are wrong. And if you're speaking with, with, you know, at a popular level with most people who, who haven't maybe thought through these issues, you, you can easily get them to admit that certain uh, mm. horrible acts are wrong you just you know name something i'm not going to now but you name yeah, something yeah. that most people would find a repulsive and agree that that is wrong mm. and then you can ask well, why and then you come back to this issue of what is life where did it come from yeah. is it valuable and sacred and it's a great way to actually have a discussion about god without getting someone on the defensive because they just think you're going to start preaching at them it's, mm. it's a good good way to discuss these issues and then so the final the final one would be destiny like i said uh, and this people don't give this one as much importance. as i think it needs because it's a huge issue people need hope for the future mm. um but let me to you bertrand russell famous atheist from a previous generation he says humans are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system so there's no hope really in that in that, mm. that world we, we have very similar things with the with groups like extinction rebellion today who are you know 12 years left before the planet's going to burn and everyone's going to yeah. die Children are not, ha- you know, youngsters are not having kids, not getting married because there's no point. Uh, no. The implications just go on and on with this. Whereas, you know, we have a, an actual worldview that has at the centre of it someone called Jesus Christ, who the Bible describes as being our hope, yeah. the one who will renew all things, make all things new, create the new. You know, on and on, the, the blessings go with the Christian mm-hmm. worldview, um, and you can see that just going through those five questions. That there is just a world of difference between how Christianity and how atheism answer these things. Now, that's not to say that either one is true. That requires more work to to prove which of these answers have the best explanatory power. And you can Mm -hmm. do that in a number of ways. There's there's many good materials on that. But it's just interesting to note, to make sure that they do have claims about these things. And therefore, they do shoulder a burden of proof as we move forward in the discussion. And, And the way the discussion is usually, uh usually goes is that they claim they have science on their side and therefore we need to be quiet and <laughs> listen yeah. to the scientists yeah. it's
1: it's interesting i think that uh, what you've just said there a lot of people may have those basic thoughts but haven't actually thought them through to what that actually means. And uh and I find some of these groups that think the world is going to end and all this sort of thing. I mean, the Bible tells us that what we're living on now will end. There will be a change. Uh, and yet that side doesn't seem to come into the into the conversation at all. It's all a very natural type of thing. And yet, as you say, uh the world is gonna end, we have a reason that it's gonna end, uh, but Jesus is there as our hope for all who will be with him for what comes next. Uh and so for me, I'm, I'm quite encouraged by seeing some of the, the negative stuff going on in the world and some of those things that, yes, we can mm. see the world's not, not in a great place because the Bible explains to me, yes, that's going to happen. This is why.
2: Yeah, uh, and that uh, and that's come, comes back to the whole explanatory power of the Christian worldview. We mm. can address these issues that are very real in the world. You know, the mm. world is broken. Christianity actually explains that, but it doesn't just leave us there. It explains it and gives us the solution to it. Mm which is for us out there in the public square, engaging, presenting, defending the Christian faith, we want to address and be honest about the brokenness, the culture, uh, the sin, all these different issues that people speak about, the despondency, the hopelessness, the despair, but then also switch the conversation. We don't leave people there. It always offers the solution. This is what the Christian church has been put here to do for the past 2,000 years, to beg people to be reconciled to God so that they don't end up in the, same, it, with this, in the same place, really, that we have a better hope for our future than that through Jesus Christ. And that's part of our message, which is an extremely good message to have in this day and age.
1: Well, before we move to the science side of things, just as I've just said that uh, we'll use atheists, we'll go black and white, uh, probably don't think through, a lot of people who would say they're atheists, don't think through the, what that implies, would you say that sometimes uh, Christians in church don't think through what that implies either with their faith, and therefore everybody's a little bit in the middle, not really fully understanding. They just know that that's what they think.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, I have to say, absolutely. Uh, if we're if we're going to going to sit here and talk about people not connecting the dots on, on the other side of the world, but we have to be honest and examine ourselves. And unfortunately, uh, we do have a bit of a problem with biblical illiteracy in the church. Um, A a lot of people, it is maybe just uh, an emotional crutch, a Sunday morning thing. And Mm. and whilst we come to the Lord in all sorts of brokenness and people need different aspects that the church offers, not demeaning these things, we do need to make sure that we are equipping people to see Christianity as a comprehensive worldview Mm. that does address all of these issues, identity, meaning destiny speaks into the issues of culture gives people a hope for the future explains why the world is like it is why there is evil death and suffering mm. in the world but then also can lift up uh, god as the creator and jesus christ as the redeemer to bring us into that ultimately that new order that he will bring in one day
1: mm. i think i think that's interesting that uh, we're not talking about people's salvation that's by grace of course but we're talking mm. about christian maturity i suppose in that case uh, and i think it's interesting that when paul says you're still drinking milk Included when you think of what he's actually teaching within that milk, it mm-hmm. is what is the it's actually quite deep. And he said, yeah, "This yeah. is simple stuff." And um, sometimes I think Christians don't don't fully understand the simple stuff about right and wrong and all those type of things as well. But they do know that we have a saviour.
2: Yeah, and and I think it's just it's just uh, one of those times where we need to do a bit of introspection in the mm. church. And you know, we are saved by grace. It's wonderful. We're given these amazing blessings through the laws, spiritual blessings um and that actually I, I believe should come with a bit of responsibility to make sure that we we learn all that god has revealed to us about himself and about the world and we take that we take that really seriously mm. uh, and, and i think the church historically has done that but maybe as we kind of gained ascendancy in the culture for, from the victorian era onwards we kind of got a little bit complacent mm. as we had you know most of the institutions were christian and everything we had this cultural dominance that maybe made us get a little too complacent mm. and these other worldviews snuck up on us and they've actually overtaken us yeah. and now we're trying to play catch up and we need to do that we need to take that seriously churches need to be properly discipling uh, the the believers that we have so that they can go out and make other disciples and and on and on it goes and it, yeah like you said it is part of christian maturity uh, that we need to take seriously and foster that
1: mm. well going back to the atheist there that uh, we're talking on this way and Uh, that there's certainly the world has this view that you either believe in God or you believe in science. And so the atheist view would be, well, you know, it's a very nice idea that you've got, and I'm glad it works for you. But science tells you that, of course, that's not possible. So how do we address that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, I'm not gonna lie, it's a big, it's a big issue, because it's so Mm -hmm. culturally ingrained right now, you know, the, the term science has buried God, I believe in science and not faith. And the way that these two are often put against each other. They actually call it the conflict theory or the warfare scenario. Right. This is the idea, this, this idea that science and religion have been uh, in this battle for the ages uh, since their existence, basically. Is that, that's just not true, but that is the way it's presented. And Unfortunately, this means that when we say something that is clearly a Christian perspective, what people hear they filter it through this, this understanding they have, and they just hear, oh, that's religious. It's mm. not in the same category as science. It's a personal preference. It's not a, a proven belief. And they just dismiss it out of hand mm. because they have these artificial categories that have been given to them by the the cult the culture, basically, um, and they just filter it through that. And unfortunately, it takes a bit of time to, to rewire that or undo that in people's thinking, but that is a task that the Christian apologists must be engaged in right now because this idea that there's that a warfare scenario is just not true. The, the mm. real issue is not between science and Christianity. Uh, it, it's actually between the way that people are defining science. They, they have this understanding uh, that it, it cannot have anything to do with Christianity. And people mm. just see it like that. So anytime someone mentions it, they, anything to do with religion, they reject it and they side with science. Back back in two thousand and six, you saw this play out in, in uh, dramatic ways. This was when Dawkins was was on the rise. It was, it was his time right then. And Time Magazine, you might remember this this mm-hmm. magazine. They had this very famous one where on the cover it said "Science versus God," and it was yeah. an interview between Francis Collins and Richard Dawkins. Mm. But it was it wasn't Christianity versus atheism; it was science versus God, and that was the way the way it was phrased and. That, unfortunately, has stuck in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Other books, uh, Sam Harris, you remember him? He was one of these, these popular new atheists. So he, he, he says that theology is little more than a branch of human ignorance, <laughs> whereas science is, is completely factual, mm-hmm. completely factual enterprise. Whereas we know that's not true because science <laughs> just means knowledge. Yeah. And then we get told this knowledge by scientists who interpret it through their worldview and that knowledge changes. interpretation yeah And
1: that knowledge will change with more discovery won't it as well
2: absolutely yeah it's, it's an ever increasing field really so and th- this is where the issue of creation really really comes into this creation science because wh- whenever you start talking about that people but be- you know they like i said it's just a story it's going to contradict scientific facts it contradicts biological evolution or whatever it may mm. be uh it's nice for you to have a nice moral story or a symbolic meaning to to, to your religious beliefs, but it's not science, and don't claim it is. Mm-hmm. And and this is we need to challenge this, I believe, uh, in, in the Christian Church because it's it's suffocating proper debate and allowing us to present evidence. So it, if you take someone like Alistair McGrath, so the Oxford professor professor of religion and science mm-hmm. at Oxford. When he's discussing this, this warfare scenario, this, this view of this, uh, this conflict of the ages, he describes it as a hopelessly outmoded historical ser- stereotype, which scholarship has totally discredited. Right. And in the academic world, that is true. People know that. Mm. But it serves the purpose in the popular world to allow it to kind of live on. Uh, do, you th- do
1: you think the public just uh, hear uh, little Sentences about science, but don't actually understand what it's being said. What's actually being said behind that? So they'll hear a particular comment about science, which they assume contradicts Christianity, but they don't actually understand what that science means or anything behind it. Uh, and therefore, if you ask them why, they wouldn't be able to tell you what that evidence was. Just that they've been told that, that evidence is contrary to to the Bible. Yeah. And, and as I, as far as I'm aware, and I might be wrong. You can correct me on this. Haven't much of the scientific. Um, uh, discovery has been done by people who have a faith because there's this idea that uh, religious or Christianity has tried to put science down. But many of the things we've discovered were by people who had a faith in God, surely.
2: Yeah. And, and this, this is the issue. Um, the way people, for the first point you mentioned there, what people, people's perceptions is that they get these soundbite headlines. The word, yeah. um, mm. And I think that's part of the way our culture absorbs information these days. Mm. Um it's quick, it's easy, it has to be short and sharp, and, and I understand that's where we are, but with an issue like this, you need to go deeper than that. And mm. that's why we need follow-up questions, we need to challenge some of these, these views that people just absorb from, usually from the media, let's be honest, isn't it, from, mm. from, from the culture. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, when you go back into history, um, this complex scenario just evaporates when you actually look at the, the modern scientific revolution of the 19th and 20th century and what actually happened. Where, when I'm discussing it, there's usually one example I, I like to give because people people like examples and stories and mm, it can, can illustrate well. So I'll, I'll share that with you now if I may. Um, Cambridge University. You say that in, in the UK, everyone knows Cambridge University. Mm. You, you cannot claim that Cambridge University is anti-science or anything, anything like this. They have a, a prestigious lab, laboratory called the Cavendish Lab. This is where the DNA double helix was discovered. This is where the neutron and election, uh, electron were discovered. Uh, I think there's 29 Nobel laureates have gone through the doors of that lab, laboratory. So, you know, leading leader in the field. Yeah. Now, if you go there, to the old laboratory anyway, you would pass through these two large, heavy wooden doors typical cambridge architecture there and on the top of these doors there sits a beautiful ornate carving and it's a verse from the bible from psalm 111 verse 2 and it reads great are the works of the lord they are studied by all who delight in them Mm. that is at the entrance to this prestigious scientific laboratory now you have to ask yourself why is that there if science and religion have always been in conflict. Now, many people would respond, oh, it's old, it's from a different time, so yeah. on and so forth. And okay, let, let's dig into this a little bit further. The inscription stands on those doors as a testimony to the Christian heritage that was so important in the rise of modern science. It was actually put there by the first professor of that laboratory, James Clark Maxwell. Mm now you cannot again accuse him of being anti-science it is his his mathematical equations of uh, electricity and magnetism that really are you know founded that work they are responsible they paved the way for for modern physics basically his work on thermodynamics and everything else that followed from him now what most people don't know is that he was a firm believer who had extensive knowledge of the bible and he believed that his scientific research was to be conducted in the light of the Bible, and such endeavors were a way to study the works of God. Yeah. Therefore, what other verse could he pick except great are the works of the Lord? They are studied by all who delighted in them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful illustration that, that maybe this warfare scenario is being pushed a little too hard. And actually, I mean, another one, if, you, if we've got time, just for, for another quick illustration. Uh, Einstein. Yeah, you say Albert Einstein, People yep. know yep. immediately who you're talking about. Now, he, he wasn't a Christian theist like we would claim like that, but he was a leading scientist. His theories of relativity are fundamental. E equals MC squared, law of conservation mm-hmm. of mass and energy. People have seen that. He had his scientific heroes. And this is interesting. That As in, he was the great, one of the greatest scientists, perhaps, in the world, but he had his scientific heroes. And, in fact, if you went to his office, he would have pictures of his three heroes hanging in his study. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to have a look at who they were. So. Probably the greatest scientist of our the twentieth century, maybe his scientific heroes. He had a picture hanging up of Isaac Newton, mm. and Isaac Newton obviously law of universal law of gravitation, the three laws of motion. Again, considered to be one of the greatest scientists. Second picture was Michael Faraday, mm. uh, known for his skill at experimentation, discovering benzene, inventing the transformer, on and on. Uh, he, his credentials go. And then the third picture was the man we just mentioned, James Clerk Maxwell. I find it fascinating that in this great scientist room, his three heroes were three people who all had a belief in the Bible and biblical creation. Mm. And they all believed that their scientific work was a way to further understand God who created the universe. In Mm. fact, it was further than that. They actually expected the natural world to be orderly and discoverable precisely because of their Christian belief that God is a God of order. So the two things actually flowed from their belief in God. and Therefore, for me, when you look at it like that, the warfare scenario totally evaporates.
1: Yeah, it does. It's something that's coming afterwards, isn't it? So uh, t- technically what it is, if we're looking at science properly, it's God revealing his work to people who, who uh, are learning that thing. So the last couple of minutes, um, this is quite fascinating. Um, if this is all going on, Why?
2: This is what we need to understand because I can give those examples and people can be like, huh, but that doesn't seem to be where we are today. Mm. We have to understand what has happened. And this this is crucial. The term science has basically been hijacked and equated with the belief what we would call naturalism. Mm. So this is a philosophical, ideological belief that nature is all there is. And that is being used when people say science. They're equating those two terms, which is not correct. Science is just knowledge. Naturalism is a secular belief. Mm. So what happens is if if we allow that equation between science to mean naturalism, which is what has happened in the culture, anything, doesn't matter how strong the evidence for it is, if it's pointing towards a supernatural, anything like a miracle or the existence of a supernatural being of God, it is ruled out from the discussion without even needing to examine the evidence.
1: just because called religious.
2: Yeah, because philosophically, it doesn't come under their category of naturalism slash science. And therefore, they don't even need to deal with it. They can just say, nope, it's not science and remove it. And that is what has happened. They have hijacked the term science to mean naturalism. And therefore, whenever we bring uh, a mention of intelligence, you notice that whenever you mention intelligence or something like that, all they have to do is say it's not science. But what they're actually saying is it's not science by our definition of science, which is not the historic understanding of science, as, as those illustrations clearly demonstrate. Mm. So we need to actually make sure that we, we correct that understanding. We should be free to follow the evidence wherever it leads, whether it's pointing to a natural or a supernatural cause.
1: Mm. Absolutely. Well, Thomas, thank you so much. That's interesting. I'm sure that people will have found that interesting and uh, everybody's entitled to an, uh, a choice and an opinion, of course. But um, uh, the opinion or our choice has to be based on on understanding and, and fact and science and mm. supernaturalism as well. Absolutely. So, Thomas, thank you so much for your time today. I wish you all the well with your upcoming uh, exams and things that you're doing there. I look forward to talking with you again.
2: Thank you. Pleasure. God bless. God bless. МУЗЫКАЛЬНАЯ ЗАСТАВКА
1: Welcome to join us today in the Elim Family Fellowship in Ben Almanna at 11 o'clock in the Platrai Benza or in the Elim International Christian Community which we now have in Almunieca which is on Avenida Europa. All the meetings are at 11 o'clock and are in English or you can go along to the Elim Encounter Church in Calahonda which is in Meas Costa and their meeting is at 4.30. We look forward to seeing you come and join us and see what God is doing. Well, yes, thank you very much for listening to us this morning, and I trust that you can have a great weekend. If there's a Bible-believing church near you, why not go along if you've not been for a while and go and say hello? Because that's why Christ came, to bring us a community, not just to have a religious belief. But also, as we see, to have a, a change in our worldview and a worldview that actually brings hope, just as Thomas was telling us there. So thank you for being with us. A big thank you to Thomas and all the team at Creation uh, Ministries. Don't forget, you can see them on creation.com or you can email me directly at info at elimspain, spain.com. Info at elimspain.com. But until next week, have a great week. God bless you. Take care. Bye bye.